Welcome to Ag Annex Talks, a podcast brought to you by the agriculture brands of Annex Business Media. Join the teams behind Top Crop Manager, Potatoes in Canada, Fruit and Vegetable, Manure Manager, and Canadian Poultry Magazines for compelling conversations with some of the most important voices in Canadian agriculture. Welcome to the fourth and final episode of this season of Ag Annex Talks. I'm your host, Bree Rohde, and I am, for the last time this spring, bringing you a focus on future-proof farming. Now, we wouldn't be talking about the future of farming if we didn't discuss technology in agriculture. From automation to drones and the use of big data, let's face it, we all know just how many new developments there are to get excited about. But there's a difference between the cool tech we love to read about online and what's actually feasible for the average farm. Between expense and access to learning curve and even issues like rural Wi-Fi and data quality, what's out there doesn't always translate to what works on your farm. Today I'm talking with two specialists who spend their days learning about, working with, and teaching new technology in agriculture to discuss the good that ag tech can do and what steps we can take to make sure it gets in the hands of our farmers. I'm joined by John Scott, Extension Coordinator for Digital Agriculture at Purdue University. The biggest, the biggest question I get on, on that piece is always goes back to ROI. And I think that's the biggest hurdle that a lot of these folks have for that, uh, that confidence level is, all right, if I go out there and I spend $3,000 on this drone, is it going to pay me back $3,000? Is it going to save me $3,000? I'll also be speaking with Alex Melnichuk, Chief Technology Officer in Digital Agriculture at Olds College. Any technology advancements will make the ag industry more efficient and, of course, uh, environmentally safer than any, any regulations. Uh, this is a direct way to reduce the amount of greenhouse gases, reduce the amount of crop inputs, such as fertilizer or crop protection products. Let's hear a bit more about what they have to say, starting with John Scott. So welcome everyone. I'm here with John Scott. He is the Purdue Extension Coordinator for Digital Agriculture. John, welcome and thank you so much. Thanks for having me. All right. Well, let's jump right into it. Tell me a little bit about what some of the work you guys are doing in uh, in digital agriculture at Purdue and what, uh, what sort of research you guys are looking into. Okay. Yeah. Um, so like I said, I'm, I'm with Purdue University. Um, I'm on the extension side and my, my area is really, I've got 10 counties that I work on, mostly in, in Northwest Indiana. So I've got around Purdue, which is Lafayette area, and then the surrounding counties is where I spend most of my time. But I do a fair amount of work throughout the state as well. Um, so within extension, the, the big push the last few years has really been around drones. So around UAVs, um, where do we use that stuff? How can we use it in the industry? Um, and, and we're looking at ag throughout our focus is definitely on corn and soybeans uh, because Indiana's about 50-50 corn and soybeans as far as our, our main cash crops. But then we've also kind of branched out and we've looked at livestock operations. We've looked at forestry and natural resources. Uh, we've had some folks that have flown some woodlots and some forested areas looking for diseases or just you know overall health. Um, we've looked at aquaculture. So we've had people release fish into ponds and then fly it and look at how well the fish are, are eating the algae in the ponds, especially where we have some of these algae blooms in some of these farm ponds. Um, just some really neat work really across the state for a lot of different educators. Uh, me personally, my, my main fo- 
focus in my counties is definitely corn and soybeans. I fly a lot of corn and soybean fields um, looking for, you know, diseases, insect pressure, weed escapes. So later season um, weed pop-ups or things that didn't get missed or didn't get killed when they were sprayed with herbicide. We've been looking at, uh, you know, fertility as well, seeing where we might not, have, you know, maybe we had a plug knife on a 28 applicator or an anhydrous applicator. And, and you can tell where the corn, um, it just didn't do well in those areas. And it, it turns yellow early and you can see all that. So we've, we've been mapping that and looking at that with these machines. And I mean, we learned quite a bit just when you can get up and see things from the air. Um, we've seen, we've been able to identify things from the air that we wouldn't have ever seen on the ground. And then we can go actually go out there and walk and see like, what's actually happening here. So we're definitely still getting out in the field and seeing these things, but uh, it's kind of nice to get up, up high and, and see what's going on on the, on the big level. I'm like, sure. um, so mm -hmm. in all the years that you've been doing this and working with drones and seeing things from a new perspective, um, what are some of your favorite or kind of personal pet projects, uh, favorite things you found or just something that you found really interesting over the years? Okay. Well, I mean, you say over the years, um, for, for us, this is actually really pretty new. Um, and we're talking about the, the UAV technology. And the, the, down here, I mean, it's only been legal since um, 2017 okay. to do this with, with drones and to get up. Um, before that, you could do it through the FAA, so the Federal Aviation Administration, but you had to go through all kinds of paperwork and forms, and, and they made a process in the fall of 2017. And I got certified to fly commercially in the spring of 2017. At that time, I was still with industry, so I was still working in ag retail then before I came into extension. And we were flying for, for producers in central Indiana um, and actually a little bit in southern Michigan and some in southern Ohio. Then I came into extension and, and kind of did more of the same, but really expanded just outside of row crops into these other things I was telling you about. But that was, I think, in 18 when I started doing that. So, I mean, we've only been doing this for two or three, four years now. Um, but the, the newest things that have been really exciting around the UAVs and that technology We've done some work in cover crops with them. Um, so the whole idea of, of cover crops is really still fairly new around here. Um, what do you do with cover crops? How do you grow them? What's their benefit? Is there a benefit? Is there not? Uh, do you plant green or and then roll it? Or do you go out there and terminate with a, a spray application before you plant your cash crop? And we're able to, to get these machines up and kind of take a look at some of these cover crops and see how the, the cash crop later in the summer responds to different management practices um, of, the, of how, you, how do they terminate or manage their cover crop. So that's been pretty cool to, to get out in some of these producers fields and see those things. One of the things that's kind of been interesting um, these last couple of years is the thermal cameras. So I don't know if you're familiar with a thermal camera, but it's, it's one that you can, uh, basically you see the heat is the, the thing. So it's, it's either hot or cold and you can see the, the infrared that's, that something lets off. So they're getting cheap enough now and, and the quality is high enough at the lower price point that they're putting these things more and more on drones. So you can get up and, you know, see different things in the field, see hotter parts or cooler parts. I think the use case for these, uh, 
moving forward, and I'm hoping that we can we can do some more looking into that is going to be in livestock than what it is in in row crops. Um, just because you can get out there and say, okay, which animal is too warm or too cold? Uh, which one do we need to go out there and maybe get get up to the barn or, or get in and, and get treated or at least see if there's something wrong? And what what can we do with that? I know I've read some stuff that out west uh, in the western states, they're on the big ranches. They're using it for that, and they're taking it out and looking at the cattle out on the range to say, okay, hey, we need to go out there and, and bring these guys in. Kind of curious what we could do with that on a smaller scale here in Indiana. Um, the other piece of that is outside of agriculture, but the whole public safety and emergency preparation type stuff. So we're talking with law enforcement down here and looking at what are some potential things we could do in partnership with them or with our local EMA um, to kind of think through how could we use these machines if someone gets lost in a cornfield, for example, to, to actually go out there and find them. Or if you have a lost cow that gets out, I mean, that that's not uncommon to have something have something get out. So if something gets out, what do we do? How do we go find them? Um, so it's pretty interesting. I think there's a lot of potential that we haven't looked at there uh, that we're definitely looking at. And as the prices continue to come down, we will be uh, looking at that more and more, I think. And then the last thing on the, on the UAV piece is they have them now that will spray and spread. So you can spray a chemical or a fungicide or, or whatever through it, or just water if you want, whatever floats your boat. And they also have spreader attachments on them. So you can actually spread fertilizer or seed. And yeah, it's been pretty, pretty neat. The one that we've got an extension, um, I'm not certified to spray with it. So I don't, I don't have the, the legal paperwork through the Indiana chemistry people, but I can spread untreated seed with it. They don't regulate that. And I am certified to fly it because you have to have a certification to fly that as well. It's a different than the fly the imagery drone. Um, but I was certified through our guy that does that. And we've got some acreage here at the house and we spread some pastures because we've got some rolling ground that you can't get across safely with a, with a tractor. Um, and I, I know that by experience because I rolled one over, uh, unfortunately, last year. So, yeah, it was not fun. Um, but... I can get across it with a drone, you know, I can get as airborne. So the topography of the ground doesn't matter. So I can spread things that would be almost impossible to get to with a tractor and very difficult and not a lot of fun anyway, to, to actually hand carry and hand spread on because it's a big enough track, but I can do it fairly quickly with the UAV. And so I did that last fall with a, a cover crop mix. And right now, you know, the weather's starting to break down here. Things are warming up. We're in the fifties and sixties. So it's starting to come up and I'm kind of curious to see how well it will do as we, as we move forward. Um, with that same machine, we also spread some, some cover crops up on some standing corn into the corn. I'm kind of curious to now that the weather's breaking to go back and see where's that looking at, what's the patterns look like, uh, what's the potential for this technology moving forward. Yeah. Sounds amazing. And uh, yes, cheers to warmer weather. Uh, so, mm-hmm. Like you said, some of the, some of the price is coming down for this technology. But when you're when you're working with uh, farmers, when you're working with industry and the community, um, how do you and other educators bridge the gaps? Whether it's making information more accessible, more understandable, or even helping them find, um, you know, cheaper workarounds or solutions. What are some of the developments there that have made this more accessible for farmers and industry? 
Okay. Um, and that's, that's been a challenge, especially this past year. I mean, we all know what's happened in the past year, right. With, with the COVID and it's been a, it's been a real challenge to get information out to people and, and to get good information out to people. Um, within extension, a big thing that we've done is we, like everyone else, we pivoted to virtual um, and we embraced virtual more than we ever have. I mean, prior to last March, extension was very much an in-person, face-to-face, handshake at the tailgate of the truck kind of business. Um, and, and almost overnight, like everyone else, we had to pivot to virtual. So we've done a lot more with, with virtual programming via Zoom or uh, WebEx or whatever platform was available. We've posted a lot of different videos to, to video sharing sites. Um, to just try to get that good information out and try to bridge that gap. Luckily, now we're getting to the point where we are starting to do some more in-person programming. Uh, actually, this morning I had one, and we had 30, uh, 30 youth and from inner city come out to learn about UAVs and how they're, how they're used, not just in agriculture, but in general. And that was really, really nice to be able to get back face-to-face and, and engage with folks. Um, some other things that we've done, we've got a, a, a UAV website that Purdue Extension put out. So it's uh, extension.purdue.edu slash UAV is the URL for that. And it has information on like, anything from getting started to like what are the different types of UAVs you could interact with. Uh, down here, how do you get trained and get certified to become a commercial pilot to talk through the process on that. And then we have use cases on there. It's like, things that we've actually done. And some of the examples that I, I talked to you about just a few minutes ago are on there. Um, things that we've actually done in these fields and, and for different producers and different partners saying, okay, this is, here it is. This is, this is things that folks have done. And uh, here's what you could do potentially on your own operation. Just get people to think about it. We've also got a couple of uh, digital agriculture websites through Purdue that, that are out there that promote some of the different facets and things that folks are doing, not just on the extension side, not just the UAV piece, but some of the folks that are looking at automation, um, some of the folks that are looking at grain handling systems, some of the folks that are looking at uh, like tracking and, and things like that, robotics, all that fun stuff. So those are, are some of the other things. I guess a couple other things I'll, I will finish out on how we're trying to get stuff out is we have a UAV technology program that we built in 2019. Um, using our own stuff. We, we based off the FAA training or the, the certificate that the FAA has, but then we also incorporated practical uses. I think one day we take the folks out that are in it and we actually fly drones. Uh, we let them take it up and have some stick time and, and get the experience. Because one thing that we were noticing is uh, these farmers would have these things that they'd get from their seed dealers or whoever, but then they didn't want to take them out and fly. They didn't have the confidence to take that investment up and, and actually take it across the field or they weren't certified. They didn't know what the process to do that. So we give them some time and, and we give them the drone. It's one of ours. And we say, here you go. Here's the, here's the controller. Here's the sticks. Here's how you do it. Go ahead and fly it. So we give them a chance to actually have some that practical hands-on stick time as they're flying it and, and learning without any uh, risk to them quite frankly. So, and then we've also got, we're, we're developing it right now. We're finishing it up is this uh, digital ag program 
where we're talking about, and it, this is the UAV program plus a whole bunch more. So we're talking about IoT or the Internet of Things. We're talking about data management. How do you collect data? What is data? How do you manage it? How do you analyze it? How do you store it? Uh, precision agronomy. So we're talking about GIS and how do you build a prescription map in a GIS software. And ours is we're using QGIS since it's free, but we talk about some of the other paid versions as well. Um, we do some stuff talking about soil and plant nutrition and really focusing on the data aspects like soil sampling and, and tissue sampling in plants and what can you do with that information and how can you use that information to better a farm operation. So that's just a handful of things. some of the things that we're doing in Purdue Extension right now to try to, to bridge that gap and get this information out there and, and get people to realize the technology exists. It's just a matter of how do you use it? Yeah, sounds like you're uh, you're doing a lot. Um, in your experience working with uh, working with farmers and producers, um, what would you say is kind of the overall confidence level of them when it comes to using newer technology, whether it's UAVs, uh, working with data? Um, you know, what, how confident is that group at this point? The biggest the biggest question I get on, on that piece is always goes back to ROI. It's always that. What's the return on my investment? Um, and I think that's the biggest hurdle that a lot of these folks have for that, uh, that confidence level is, all right, if I go out there and I spend $3,000 on this drone, is it going to pay me back $3,000 worth of value in, in some way, shape, or form? And a lot of times it's, is it going to pay me back $3,000? Is it going to save me $3,000? That's the biggest hurdle we have, uh, hands down is how, how do I justify the cost? Um, now, some technology that's out there and they look at it and they say, okay, yeah, that makes sense. I mean, I see, I see the path. That's a lot easier conversation um, and their confidence level goes up when it comes to dealing with the technology. But some of the brand, brand new stuff, they, they wanna know how it pays and they're not, most producers I think are fairly early adopters if it's clear how it's gonna pay, but they're a little more hesitant and they want someone else to try it first. If it's a little more foggy on that front. Um, we've also got the generational gap in, in some of this stuff. You know, some of the, the when I go and talk at meetings and I, I talk to producers from, you know, kids my age or a little older, sometimes younger to, you know, their dads and grandpas that are still farming. And some people say, well, I'm not going to use it. I'm not going to learn how to do it. I don't want to. Nope. And, you know, I'm going to jump in there and I'm going to do the same thing I've done. And some of them say, okay, how does this, how can I make this fit into the operation? How does this work? Where would this work? And you always have those different conversations with different folks. And those younger folks that are used to interacting with the computer, they're a lot more confident about you know, using the monitors in the combine or the sprayer or using the, the UAV systems. Whereas the older generation just, for the most part, there are those that are like, yeah, this is great. But there are those that are like, ah, I don't want that. I just want to go and I want to go. And I don't want this technology to slow me down. All right. Well, John, is there anything you want to add before we say goodbye today? Um, We're good. <laughs> I guess. I, well, I mean, I guess the only thing I'd like to add and, and something I want to say, and I don't know what your guys' thing is up there, but the whole idea of this technology stuff, and we talked a lot about UAVs, that's a lot of what I do right now. Totally. But the, the big hiccup with all of it, 
is broadband access, rural broadband, getting the internet out, out and about. Now, again, I don't know, maybe your guys' infrastructure is better than ours now. No, but not at all. <laughs> no. <laughs> it would be so, nice. Yeah, that, that's our biggest hurdle in, in this, in adoption of this and in the confidence, not even the confidence, but the adoption period um, is getting the internet to these rural communities and these rural farms to where these guys can actually use it. I mean, some of the stuff that we have, I, could, I can't use in the field quite frankly. Um, we just don't have the bandwidth. I mean, when I fly a field here now, like I'm, I'm like most folks, I'm remote. I'm working from home. I can go out and fly a field. I go fly my neighbor's field right now out the backyard. And I would have to go to campus. I'd have to go to Lafayette to have internet fast enough to upload the images and actually get him a usable map. I don't have the bandwidth here at the house. Uh, it's impossible. I mean, it would take, it would take me 10 minutes maybe to upload three, 400 images at campus. It would take a half a day here at the house. Nice. Um, so yeah. So, so the rural broadband issue is, is huge. And in order to really unlock and not just the UAV stuff, but in order to unlock the potential for what ag technology and digital agriculture could do for the industry, we've got to be able to get the internet out to these rural communities. Um, I think we're just scratching the surface. And once we get that, maybe it's coming through 5G. You know, we, maybe it's going to come that route. But once we get there, I think you'll see a, quite the explosion um, in some of these technologies. And then they'll become more, right now, a lot of them are, you pay to play. But they'll become more integrated into, into the stuff we use. And then we're seeing that to a degree. I mean, anymore, a lot of your, your tractors, they have to have a monitor in order to run them. And that's an integrated system or you buy a, you buy a seed order and you'll get a hook, you'll get hooked up with whatever their GIS platform is. You'll get hooked up with your climate or your granular if you're a big enough seed customer. Um, and that's another way to make it more affordable, but you're seeing that just kind of become a way of doing business. And I think as the internet improves, you'll see that done more and more. I think that with that, I, I think I am good brief. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much for being with us today, John. Yep. Thank you. Thanks again to John for sharing his insights about all the exciting things going on at Purdue. We're going to pivot now to Alex Melanchuk. Now, if you're an agriculture technophile, Alex's job might very well be your dream job. Alex is part of Olds College's Smart Farm, which is essentially a giant lab that provides the ag industry with infrastructure to research and test new technology. While it's naturally exciting and fun, it also plays a key part in the development of more sustainable practices. Let's listen to my conversation with Alex. Welcome back, everyone. I'm here with Alex Melnichuk. He is the Chief Technology Officer with Digital Agriculture at Olds College. Now, one of the things that we're focusing on with this podcast series is talking about kind of ag for the future and ag for the next generation. So uh, one, one big component of that is sustainability. So what are some of the ways that ag tech can help create um, more sustainable operations? Mm, that's an amazing question because uh, everybody, yeah, uh, that's something that everybody is interested in now because it's not just about increasing the profit. It's also... Both making uh, the whole industry 
uh, more environmentally friendly and more uh, more sustainable. But uh, I know that some people will probably disagree with me. Uh, I'm not a fan of different restrictions and regulations because in most cases they simply lead to bureaucratic and non-efficient system. But what I believe in uh, any uh, any technology adva advancements will make the ag industry more efficient and, of course, uh, environmentally safer, uh, environmentally more sustainable than any any regulations. In fact, uh, if you if you think about uh, any innovative technologies in the ag industry, uh, this is a direct way to reduce the amount of greenhouse gases, reduce the amount of crop inputs such as fertilizer or crop protection products utilize solar energy more efficiently and so on. Just imagine, now pretty much every farmer used some kind of auto guidance system on their field machinery, which reduced the overlaps between different passes by up to 5%. Uh, if I translate that to the environmental sustainability, that means 5% less fuel, 5% less crop inputs and so on. And with no regulations, it's just, just the technology or new genetically modified variety resistant to certain pathogens that can remove the necessity of additional application of crop protection products. So that, again, that means less fuel, uh, more efficient usage of crop inputs, and eventually more, more sustainable crop production. So the bottom line, uh, uh, I, I strongly believe that the right technologies is the most natural way to support any environmental initiatives. Mm, sounds like a great way to kind of do more with less. Uh, now, how much of your work on farms involves uh, working with uh, farmers or producers in the community or maybe getting their feedback on certain things to just understand how things can be applied a little bit better in day-to-day -day agriculture? Uh, well, College has always been a part of this agricultural community. In fact, if you look at the, num at, uh, at the people working in the industry, especially in in the province of Alberta, many of them, they have gone through the college. So, um, like in fact, uh, the way we work with, with the farming community, it's a two-way process. So on the one hand side, of course, we're listening to, to the needs coming, uh, needs of the industry that, that are coming from the community. In particular, Olds College has so-called producer panel which include a number of uh, leading edge farmers uh, farming in mostly in Western Canada. Uh, and of course, we're listening to them and uh, uh, we, we had a number of great ideas and so-called low hanging fruits <laughs> that, that the industry would like to address. And uh, the range of those questions is very extensive. Can be anything from uh, the internet coverage in rural areas, predictive analytics, uh, human resources, uh, different different biolo uh, biological uh, 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 different biologics for improving crop production, monitoring crops using satellites, uh, uh, carbon taxation, and all those things. Uh, so uh, that's one one side. On the other hand side. Well, of course, uh, everything we're doing, uh, we're, uh, we're working as a hub for, for the ag community to see what is possible in the ag industry. And uh, we work with a number of growers on uh, helping them to um, 
basically to address their needs. And uh, sometimes it can be either using autonomous equipment on, on their farms or uh, addressing some analytical things like uh, yield prediction or some other things. And uh, we're learning during that process as well. So, uh, yeah, it's uh, quite, quite an interesting uh, and very important thing because uh, more, more we collaborate with the community, more, more we learn ourselves in advance. Sounds like it. Now, I think when a lot of us think about um, new technology, especially from the perspective of a farmer, we think of it as just buying something or, you know, whipping out your credit card or whatever and buying something new. Uh, obviously, it is about more than just buying things. But um, how have how has the industry progressed in terms of accessibility and affordability? Um, you know, new tech isn't always cheap or isn't always seen as easy to understand or adopt. So are there ways that developers have kind of innovated to create more accessible tech in the field? Yeah, that's, uh, I cannot answer in one sentence. So I will I will give you several thoughts or several several components. And you you will figure it out where where is the truth. The first of all, uh, uh, any any kind of new technologies they're designed to improve an efficiency of something. So everybody in the industry, I don't know if you, you will you will be able to see that easy button right now that I have on my on my my table. That easy button is something that the industry expects. Uh, Essentially, any new uh, any new technology uh, any new technology is not necessarily increases the cost. So, uh, in some cases, the new new tech can provide a certain degree of convenience. That's something that that the industry is ready to pay for. Like for example, if if you want to buy a thing called uh, AutoSteer or Auto, uh, Guidance Navigation System that automatically drives the tractor in the field, so of course, it will probably increase the cost of, of the field equipment. But at the same time, it brings such such a, such convenience for, for the farm uh, equipment operator that everybody wants that. For that reason, when AutoSteer showed up on the market 20 years ago, it started growing up exponentially because just convenient. Convenient. It's like uh, you, uh, how many people use uh, landlines these days. Mm, yeah, there there are probably few, and uh, we use cell phones not because they're cheap. They're not, and in fact, Canada is probably one of the most expensive countries in terms of the mobile uh, network. At the same time, it's still so convenient that everybody's using that. Using that analogy, uh, any technology that will cost probably more, but at the same time, the amount of benefits brought by those technologies uh, will be significant. Of course, everybody will want that. In some cases, if you look at what exactly industry, industry wants to achieve, in some cases, you will see people uh, trying to save money, and in that case, technology can help again. Uh, using uh, soil analysis, uh, satellite crop monitoring, and things like that, you can 
uh, you can certainly reduce the amount of crop inputs and of course reduce the expenses. In some cases, uh, the industry or uh, uh, certain uh, growers in, in agriculture, um, they're okay both spending more or investing more, but increase their return on investment even more than <laughs> they invested in the industry. So in fact, uh, there's no uh, one size fits all, but uh, it's very diverse and uh, uh, very, very different depending on, on the region, depending on a certain mentality. But, but overall, I would, I would probably say agriculture is not different uh, in, this, uh, in this sense than any other industries. So essentially, yeah, you're buying new tools, new technologies, but, but eventually you're, you're ending up with higher profits, uh, more comfortable way of farming operations and things like that. So uh, I I, I'm a strong believer in, in the technology making our life easier. Yeah, that sounds great. Now, before we let you go, is there anything else that you wanted to share or maybe um, any recommendations you'd have for our, uh, for our listeners who are maybe a little bit eager to find out more? Uh, two things. Well, first, first of all, just believe in what I said about technology is uh, in, in the long-term run, uh, this is the nature of uh, human evolution. So uh, new technologies eventually will, will make our life easier, better, uh, convenient, will free uh, some time uh, for, for our families, our friends. So just believe, believe in the technology. And the second thing, uh, just uh, come to talk to us at uh, Old College and the Smart Farm and see if we can collaborate or help you. <laughs> All right. That's fantastic. Thank you so much, Alex. Yeah, thanks, Bri. It was uh, great talking to you. Thanks again to Alex as well as John for their insights. And thank you, listeners, for tuning in these last eight weeks. It has been a ball discussing future-proof farming with you. But do not fret, we have plenty more podcast content, including last year's Ag Annex Talk season discussing issues from mental health to succession planning, interviews with the 2020 IWCA honorees, and our sister podcasts, Inputs for news and discussions on Canada's crop industry, and Tuber Talk for all things potatoes. I am and have been your host, Bree Rohde. Take it easy.